Thank you all indeed very much for coming. Uh, it's wonderful to see you all here. This is uh, one of the first lectures that we've done here, or organised here rather. Um, just to introduce myself, uh, my name is Henry Little. I'm one of the co-directors of a young curatorial company called HRL Contemporary. Uh, it's my business partner, Josephine Breeds. Um, I collection managed uh, the LSC for a couple of years and still look after their collection from time to time. Uh, I then proposed uh, a series of talks and exhibitions to them, and this is uh, the first one. Um, we will also be hosting an exhibition here called A Baker's Dozen uh, from June the 5th until July the 6th in the Atrium Gallery, which I believe many of you will be familiar with, uh, looking at the theme of art and commerce and the creation of value in the art market. Um, we have several other shows on at the moment and forthcoming. Uh, if you'd like to see our website, it's www.hrlcontemporary.com and it has details of us and the artists we represent and the shows we're doing. Um, it's a great privilege to uh, host uh, Jeffrey Bolton here. Uh, Jeffrey Bolton is the uh, managing director of Art Insight, which is the sister organisation of Art Tactic. Um, and he's going to give us a talk about the state of the global art market, which is Jeffrey's speciality. Um, it's a real pleasure to have you here, and thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you very much. Do I have to use this microphone? or? Yeah, I probably do, shouldn't I? I'm hidden, hidden behind. Welcome, everybody. Um, first and foremost, I'd always ask, um, are there a lot of people here who are involved in the art world or who somehow engage in the art world? Some hands? Uh, well, there's way too many hands there. <laughs> That's not so good. Well, it, it is probably very good, which I'm sure that most of you were then um, at Sotheby's uh, auction last week and were engaged in uh, what they call the orgy of the rich. Did anyone hear about this? Uh, a group of protesters showed up at the Sotheby's Contemporary <coughs> Art Auction uh, with a big banner that says, Orgy of the Rich. And apparently they were, they were starting to moan as well. They were like moaning to the crowd and things <laughs> for some reason. They're basically protesting uh, the arts cuts, which uh, I'm not sure what that has to do with Sotheby's auctions, but it's because it's <laughs> the art world. But uh, it, it was quite amusing. It didn't, didn't uh, prove to be daunting whatsoever to the rich who were having their orgy, which, is, uh, which was a good thing. Um, you know, just to give you some of the examples, uh, well, the Knepi Art Auctions um, last week, which is which is very interesting to have this lecture now, because we're sort of fresh off the sort of auction um, scene, uh, auction season um, of the autumn, so we can actually bring forth all kinds of interesting data and sort of findings of what's going on. Um, Contemporary Art Evening sales total almost 100 million pounds, which is 12% higher than February last year. Um, some of the sort of key things, uh, some of the sort of uh, things that were the the records that were taken. This, this Andy Warhol self-portrait, which you've probably seen of the press as well, um, sold for about three times more than its high estimate, uh, 10.8 million pounds. We'll talk about this a bit more, just to show how vibrant at the moment the market seems to be. And um, previous to that, Sotheby's uh, Francis Bacon's triptych sold for 23 million pounds, and almost three times the, the high estimate of what it was. So um, quite, a, quite a good orgy of a week that, uh, or two weeks that, that was being had. Um, and it's just very interesting. I think what's most interesting is the fact that this particular orgy um, has it only been occurring sort of two years and a bit after the sort of huge meltdown of the art market. So there was this huge, uh, you know, bust of the art market. And in a really short space of time, it just seems to be sort of right up back in, in this crazy sort of manic prices being had for everything. 
And I think that what's one of the things we'll talk about today, and I think that's quite an interesting phenomenon because it can be deceptive in what's happening. There's been people talking about this new boom that's happened. We're going to see whether that is actually the case, if we're in a new boom. How, how on earth uh, the art market managed to sort of pick itself up and sort of you know, go right back up to very high levels after two years. I mean, that's really not a very long time for, for a recovery period. So that's one of the things we want to talk about today. This is always a good thing to start with, is to see how big orgies can be in, in the global, global world. Um, but what I wanted to, you can ponder this question first, so we're going to ask the presentation afterwards. But I'll just, just quickly talk about what I'm going to be speaking about tonight. Um, you know, the, the art market, as, as most people know, is a huge unregulated market, and it's sort of very difficult to sort of get your head around and what's going on, what's happening, how it works. So the sort of way, it's going to be, you know, quite a busy hour. Um, we're going to look at sort of how the art market works to some degree, how value is created, how that all sort of operates within the art market. Plus, we're going to look at sort of um, how this boom happened in the sort of past decade and things. What were the sort of factors that led up to it? How high did it go? And as well, what happened with this, you know, the bust that happened and what the factors were in that um, and sort of what the state of things are at the, at the present. Also going to try to look at uh, some of the key emerging markets, uh, which can be quite different from what's happened in, in the sort of Western markets as well, and just give you a sort of snapshot of what those markets are, sort of the attributes are, and what's been happening and how, what the state of them are now, especially after this, you know, the economic meltdown. And then look at, this is quite a lot, isn't it? And then look at, to some degree, what, the, what are the big changes that, that have happened in, in the art market in the past 10 years? And some of them relating to the, the sort of the, the economic downturn. So there's been some very significant changes which could very much affect what's going to happen from now on in the art market. And then finally sort of end up with some um, looking into the future and seeing what might be the new innovations and what's happening, what's coming up. So that should take about three weeks to do. We're going to compress it all into an hour. So, um, uh, you know, if there's any terms or anything that people don't understand, just maybe, just, you know, I'll ask if, if people know about certain things that are clearly are difficult. But um, anyway, back to this question. Anyone have a guess at uh, the slides of the global fine and decorative art market? Sort of the annual sort of value of the market? Throw something out. 50, 57, 60 million. I'd say a few billion, maybe two or three. A few billion? Yeah, any other any dollars or pounds or it doesn't matter? Ten billion pounds, something like that. Ten billion, okay. Depends what the definition is. Yeah, well there you go, now you're gonna get tricky. Anything else? Any other to derive? I don't think you can define it really, could you? Uh, now we're gonna start getting into things. <laughs> it, it's a very it's a, it's 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 um there's this uh, company called Art Economics <coughs> who, who does sort of an annual survey every year. And it's, it is flawed, but it gives us some picture to some degree of what's going on. But we'll talk about that as well, uh, the difficulty of defining what that is. Okay, the answer is $65 billion, according to uh, Art Economics. So that's a very big market that's out there. And it's one big, unregulated, crazy thing. Uh, I think we're going to try at some point to sort of make sense of you know, what goes on in it and what happens. That's also decorative arts, not just contemporary arts, not just art in general, so it's quite a big number, but the numbers are pretty big anyway, and that's what sort of makes it even more interesting to find out how it works. How does it work? What I want to start out with is sort of looking at the macro picture, and sort of these are sort of very interesting little graphs, 
and just basically just to show what happens and how, how the art market works and what factors the art market is sort of in the center as an ecosystem and what happens sort of what, what, what are the factors that affect the market uh, as a whole? So there are socioeconomic uh, factors, economic factors, political, legal, <coughs> and technolo technological factors as well. All those sort of factors come to play um, you know, in, in sort of defining how the, how the market sort of does, what the success of the market, how it operates. That's sort of the big picture. Um, more, you know, if we get down to sort of the specifics of it, this is sort of a matrix thing. It looks very London School of Economics, I thought, of, of what was going on. Um, someone, someone asked, you know, where the artist is in all this, and it's basically there in the middle. There they are, the fulcrum, where it brings it all together. Basically, you know, we're looking at all these players in the art market, and whether they be sort of, you know, they're, they're commercial players, like, like galleries and dealers, um, art funds, you know, that, that sort of side of thing. But there's also the sort of the the non-commercial people, who, and all of those players together sort of combine to create the value of what we find in the art market. So it's a combination of all these players that sort of bring together the picture of you know, what's going on and, and how, how we look at value in the art market. Does that make sense? It'll get clearer, hopefully. This is uh, some very flattering pictures of people who are in the art market. This is, this is just a way of looking at sort of even, you know, delving even further down and looking at sort of who are the key operators in the market, who are the people, the key endorsers, and that they're the people who create the, to some degree what the, what the market is and what sort of the valuation of the market is. And all these players really act together in some way. It takes a sort of combination of all these players interacting. That don't worry about which way the arrows go. They're just sort of a random sort of pulling together. But um, anyone recognize any of these people? Nick Sirota, Tate, uh, Tracy Min, young Damien Hurst, <laughs> even younger Charles Satchi. He'll be pleased with that picture right? <laughs> at the end. Uh, uh, no, there's gallerists, there's auction house people, there's, there's uh, curators, um, gallerists, uh, critics. All those players interact in terms of you know, validating a particular artist or what's going on in the art market and it's a combination of all of those and it's very sort of amorphous how that works but that's where the sort of process goes just looking at another another sort of uh, interesting pyramid graph um, basically what we're trying to, trying to look at here is, is sort of you know who are the key you know whose sort of validation is actually more not say that's much important, but creates more economic and symbolic value for, say, an artist. So if you look at you know, the, the pinnacle, which is something like in museums, if the Tate has a, a, you know, an exhibition of something like Peter Doig or an artist who's just about emerging, that does a huge amount of uh, validation for that artist, and that, and that creates value as well as sort of the status of it. So their prices will go up in the galleries, their, you know, their sort of status will go up in the art world, it's a, you know, in, ter in terms of the hierarchy of whose voice is sort of, you know, has the, 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 the highest <coughs> sort of decibel level. I think, you know, the museums, public institutions like the Whitechapel and Serpent Times, they're sort of seen as sort of not as part of the commercial side of, of the world. Though that's another story and we can talk about that as, as well. Um, and then further down the ranks, people like private collectors, someone like Charles Satchi, where it used to be at least would collect somebody that was all of a sudden a big sort of boost to their careers and sort of a validation of, of their worth in some way. And then sort of the, at the lower end of sort of what people see as sort of the purveyors of validation, uh, the, I mean, the commercial galleries who obviously have the most 
commercial interest in what's going on, so to say. So that's sort of what the pyramid sort of looks like in terms of how the value is created and whose voices are starting to be strongest in creating that value. Does that make kind of some sense? Yeah. Huge confusion, or everyone understands what's going on. Um, okay, let's go to look at the market and what's, what's been happening. How did the boom start? I mean, I, I, you know, I think a lot of what you can look at as well from the first slide was, was sort of looking at the sort of other factors that impact onto the art world. And a lot of it was the economic boom in general, worldwide, that sort of spawned this sort of, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this frenzy of the economy heating up and manicness of the art market as well. So there's a huge interest in luxury goods, there was like, especially in the new markets, there was a huge new middle class that was very aspirational and coming into um, looking at sort of aspiring into luxury goods. That really fueled a lot of the, what was going on in the boom times. Um, as I said, in the last five to ten years, you know, both Western and emerging markets, huge you know, sort of bubbles of, of wealth created. Financial crisis hits the art market in autumn 2008. Um, just about the same time as it hits the, uh, the rest of the world. Um, in terms of what happened to the art market, there's, there's a 50% per 60% off um, sort of a tumble of, of, of art prices directly af after the autumn 2008. And things like the emerging markets like India were hit even hardest. It was almost like the higher you went, the further you fell to some degree. Um, that, but we'll look into that now. We're just looking at, I just want to show what kind of factors go into sort of making that boom. Now I think that, what I was saying before, the interesting point is there's a new boom apparently seems to be emerging only two, two years and a bit after the downturn. And I think it'd be interesting to see you know, how that's happened and why that's happened and is that actually reality what is happening in the art market at the moment. Um, why the bust? This is some interesting questions as well. Uh, as I was saying, apart from you know, the obvious one, which is like the, all the financial markets crashed, it's obviously going to have an impact on the art market. So that, that was a, a big one, and also investor confidence. Um, we'll talk a, 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 bit, a, a bit later about how the correlation with the financial markets and the art market go. You know, like, you know, if that falls, does that fall immediately? And does it rise when the economy rises immediately? So those are big questions that everyone's been trying to ask for quite a long time. We can maybe start looking at some answers. Um, it's a very, you know, as I was saying, it's an unregulated market and depends very much on self-regulation somehow. There's no one telling the art market what to do, what they can and can't do. So somehow the correction has got to be done internally and it's got to right itself in some way. And I think that what happened during, during the, the, when the bust happened, a lot of the established collectors and uh, regulated sorts stepped away from the market during the boom times when, it, when things were going absolutely crazy. Uh, Long-time collectors um, and, and people who were, you know, sort of more established in, in the art market, it weren't going to play by the same rules as sort of a lot of these new super wealthy who were paying unbelievable prices for things that were just out of out of any context. So a lot of that, <coughs> sort of the mechanism for self-regulation, stepped away from the market during that time, and that's it. Sort of left it on its own devices, and I think that's a lot of what happened with, uh, you know, the, when the, when the things all collapsed. The boom, you know, there were spiraling prices, there was competition between auction houses. A lot of what, you know, the negative things that happened were about what was going on in the auction houses with the guarantees. There were no guarantees, I'll explain it anyway if you don't know what it is. I mean, basically, especially during the boom time, the, uh, the auction houses 
were, were really head-to-head -head competing with each other very manically and to a very high end. And so to, in order to, to get hold of the key consignments, to get hold of those key pieces, they would guarantee to the collector who had, had the piece of art a certain price level. So whether it sold or not, or whether it sold that price or not, they would still get that amount of money. So that put, sort of puts you out on a limb as, a, as an auction house, as an entity. And as of course, you know, as those guarantees got bigger and bigger and more ambitious, as the competition between the auction houses got bigger, um, when, when all of a sudden the dip came, the auction houses were stuck with quite a lot of uh, sort of debts that they had to pay off for art that they couldn't sell at the prices they thought they could guarantee it. That was a big, big thing. And there was a, a lot of money involved. And I think that sort of really sort of threw everyone for a huge loop. Um, as well as, you know, in terms of, you know, what was happening, especially in the, in the emerging markets to some degree, there was a huge amount of speculation. Um, you know, as the prices were doubling and tripling every year and going crazy, all kinds of people were getting into the market who necessarily weren't necessarily, you know, sort of lovers of art, but they were looking to make some money. They said, we see the spiraling prices, and it just keeps making it spiral and spiral more. The minute it sort of goes bad, you know, that, that all collapses, and all those speculators sort of run for the hills. Um, so that's another reason why that's all, all happened at the time when the, when the meltdown came. Just to, just to sort of put into some context, what, you know, looking at the boom, bust, giving some numbers, you know, just look at Sotheby's as an example between 2003, 2007, 600% um, increase uh, in volume. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a lot in that sort of five <coughs> years period sort of thing. That was a, that's a big boom. Um, the average rise in value for Dempy Art was 800% according to um, Art Price as well. So that was, um, we're talking about a big, big uh, boom that was going on, which it seemed to be going out of control. When uh, autumn 2008 came, uh, Temporary Art average <coughs> auction price fell 76.2%. That's a very big drop. And I'll show you some, um, you know, some diagrams and data to sort of illustrate sort of the ups and flows of things. And volumes down were 78% from 2008 to 2010. So there was a, it was a big boom and it was a big drop. And now the question, I suppose, is where are we now? and where are we going to go from here? Um, and to some degree, I think we're looking at, are, have there been lessons learned from all this? You know, sort of thing. Have things changed? Have things moved on? Or, you know, are things protected now from that happening again? Um, that's going to be the question that we'll try to see. Just looking, as I was saying before, if you're looking, trying to look at comparative sort of values, what's happened in the art market, that this pink line is the contemporary art market, so the top 100. Um, and it's sort of correlated between the FTSE uh, index, LVMH, which is Luxury Goods Index, Sotheby's, uh, and Gold. And you can see, you know, that in terms of boom time, the art market boomed a lot more than all those other sort of investment vehicles, as, as it were. And, and also, you know, when it fell, it hasn't fallen, this is only until, you know, sort of when, when the boom sort of, when the, when the bus sort of stopped happening still left it pretty substantially in better shape than a lot of the other markets that were there. So I think that there's all this idea that you know, the market's sort of busted and it's all gone you know, absolutely rubbish. It still placed itself in a better place than a lot of the other financial markets and luxury good markets um, at the end of the day, even though it's sort of, you know, the fall was higher because it went higher in some way. That just gives you some indication of how it relates to sort of the other, other markets that are out there. Now, as I was saying, you know, what, what sort of, what, what did the art market do when the bust happened in order to sort of, you know, right itself? How, how did it sort of get back on its feet? 
what were the sort of tactics and, and ploys that, you know, n not underhandedly, but what were, the, what were the sort of strategies that were employed to sort of get out of that hole? And I think in general, there was, a, you know, there was a huge sort of, you know, calmness that was sort of placed on the art market. And a much more focus, you know, going back from all the crazy and hyper and um, speculativeness, and a back to sort of blue chip sort of art, back to sort of very solid stuff um, in terms of looking at what's selling in, in the market. Much calmer, not this frenzy of outbidding each other and outrunning each other to art fairs. So there was a real sort of sense of calmness and sort of rationality that was brought back um, in a very concerted way in the art world. Auction houses, especially, I think what they did was especially important and especially needed in terms of getting themselves out of the hole they were at. So basically, they, they really pared down their sales and really focused on very quality pieces and, and sort of things that were going to sell. Providence, rarity, fresh to market, all those things sort of, you know, really sort of honing that in order to sort of build that sense that the market sort of, you know, back to its, its you know, its original sort of core and its core values. And that did a huge amount to, as we'll see, to sort of rectify things to some degree. There was a huge sort of pulling things back and sort of going back to basics in some way. Speculators were, you know, out licking their wounds, speculative wounds somewhere, um, and stepped away during the of course. So that, that was a, that's a positive thing that happened as well. So it, it left room for the collectors and the people who were very <coughs> committed to the art world to come back into the art world and and sort of, you know, sort of play their role as regulators, which is what they were historically doing. So that's what, that's, that's how it operates, that's how it sort of rectified itself to some degree. I'm going to show you some graphs, just to show you sort of how things have moved. This is uh, New York auctions uh, in the fall, which is the big auctions that the last happened. Um, we'll get to the sort of more current ones there, but just to look at sort of how things have changed. Uh, and basically, here we are, that, that was the last auctions in New York, evening sales volume, and basically just about, just over the 2007 levels. Where, you know, this, this is sort of the peak of the market here in 2008, um, looking sort of, you know, November to November uh, comparisons. So, you know, that's, that's really very heartening to see that, that, that things seem to be getting back, and they're, they're back to, you know, maybe, you know, not at the peak level, but I mean, that's a good thing, whether they can do that ever anyway, but they're back to about 2007 levels. That's a very heartening thing for a uh, message for the art world. This is uh, a graph of the average prices, so sort of you know how the prices have shifted. The red is Christie's, blue is Sotheby's, and Phillips is uh, is unseeable line in the white. <laughs> and uh, as well, I mean, here's where we are now. And if you sort of trace it back, we're just about at 2007 levels as well. Um, not so much, not so much Christie's, but uh, but Sotheby's for sure. But and, and it's going in that direction. So that's all very heartening in terms of, you know, that, that <coughs> bringing, bringing us back has sort of been working. It's pulling itself back in, into uh, something. Now, this, this is something, this is just uh, something I pulled off from Art Info, which is another uh, lovely company who does look, looks at the art market very closely. And everyone's talking about this boom. And I think that that's what's interesting. It seems to be sort of all over the press uh, these days. There's a new boom, and this is a boom. I mean, is it, re is it a boom? And, and I think that's what we want to sort of try to sort of discover. Uh, you know, what, what's happening? You know, the, that uh, there seems to be these prices are being, they're being gotten for these pieces. There are more and more records being broken all the time these days. Is it actually a boom? I think that, uh, no offense to anyone in the room, in terms of the media, 
hype. I mean, I think there is a lot of focus in general with the, with the, with the general press about you know, big prices being paid, it's sort of astounding, and it's always being reported, like, you know, this has got, can you believe this has made this many million, this is triple its estimate. So that always gets attracted, and that's what it tends to be what you see, and what the general public at least sees as well, um, about the art market, is these record prices and sort of a bit of gluttony thing, there's a bit of sort of disgustedness about the whole thing. Um, but, and I think that, you know, all that media is, tends to be in, in the sort of in general press is about the very high end of the market, and it's all about those records, all about the Beacons and the, the Warhols. Um, I think what we don't see, and we, you know, that's something we have to look at, is what's happening to the rest of the market, which is really the core of the market. Um, and is, is that boom happening as well there? And that's, that's gonna, that makes a different, different sort of factor. And I think you know, what the, if we have to look at it more closely in terms of the data, but I, you know, I think one will find that the lower end of the market, the middle end, are not doing so wonderfully. I think they're doing better, than they were, you know, the, at the bus time, but they certainly haven't sprung back like as if the media has portrayed the, you know, the high end of the market. So the high end market is doing is getting back to those levels. It's so sort of, you know, your basic gallery in East London. How are they doing? You know, I, I think I think there's still some degree of struggle and getting back on its feet and going back to core values. So I think there's a deceptiveness of looking at just those that high end of the market. In terms of the you know, the auction houses and the key collector strategies uh, at this point. And I, think, I think a lot of the strategies are in order to bring the market back. Um, a lot of it is about confidence. A lot of it is about saying, okay, look, it's okay. You know, the, the things are selling. And at that point, you need that confidence because then people will start bringing their, their goods out of the closet and bring them to auction. If the market's really bad, they're just gonna, they're, no one's going to sell anything or offer anything up. So the market's going to stay there. You need to build that confidence. And I think a lot of really very, very well done strategies have been doing that. In terms of the, you know, we're looking at the protecting, it sounds a bit sort of uh, mercenary, but it is, I mean, basically after the, the boom, and, I'll, and those are the artists who really were the beneficiaries of the boom to some degree. You know, the Warhols and Hearst and Coons and County, they were the ones really sort of like moving forward. Um, did, did anyone know about the big um, Hearst uh, auction, beautiful inside my head forever, mm -hmm. called it was called, and that was that made about two hundred million dollars at. Uh, it was the same night as the collapse of Lehman Brothers, mm -hmm. and that was really that was a really sort of very freaky but very interesting thing. This incredible sum that was made for someone who's you know who starred really sort of you know, risen like crazy uh, at that same time. Subsequent to that, subsequent to that sale, the, the odd Warhols that first made in the auctions didn't, uh, the odd uh, Hearst didn't do so well. So everyone got really nervous. And, um, and you know, same thing with Warhol and Coons. A lot of those works were left out of auctions. And they, you didn't see a lot of those pieces coming in because there was a sort of fear of <coughs> if they didn't sell, then it looks like that whole market collapses and then the whole market collapses. So you have to protect that to some degree and maybe eke out um, as I'm saying, that that was interesting about the Warhol. It was a strategy of sort of, you know, eating out really, really top pieces and pieces, pieces that are much more likely to sell, which will then send a message to the market going, oh, the Warhol market's okay. You know, that particular Warhol, what's interesting about it was uh, it was big, it was six foot by six foot, and was red, so that's good. It's a sort of wow factor thing. And um, it, there was, I think it was a series of 11 of them, and uh, a number of those are in major museum collections. One's in the Tate, 
Um, so, and also the big thing, which was kind of odd, was it, it, was, it had apparently been lost for 30 years. So talk about sort of, you know, fresh to market. I mean, no one had seen this piece for 30 years. I'm not sure what the story is, but um, it was lost. And so all those things conspired to say, you know, that, that's a pretty prime example of a Warhol to put on. It's pretty likely to sell in for a good price. And that then sends a message to the rest of the market, like, well, Mar Warhol market's okay. So, that, so there's a strategy there, and I think it's, it's doing a lot of good. And it's not manipulative, but I think it's very healthy, because I think it's sort of, you know, it's, it's gaining some confidence back into the market. Um, so very interesting that, you know, that the auction house in terms of what they're doing. I was saying, I think it's about confidence building. A lot of the art market, <coughs> what happens in the art market is about confidence, and, um, and it's very amorphous, and you have to really sort of manage that in order for it to sustain markets, to make sure that things are going in the way that one would want them to go. So that's some of the factors. As I was saying, I, I don't, so I don't know what, that, what, the, what the answer to that. Is it a new boom? I think it's not really clear. I think because of these factors, the appearance, there's an appearance of things doing very well, but I think if you look behind them a bit, uh, and I think those and the, the things that are selling are, are selling very well. I think you have to look at what those things that are being put up for sale are, <coughs> and and uh, you know that the, the sort of surety that's going to look like it's doing very well. And the higher the market, I think, is doing very well, and it seems to be a final appearance is doing very well. It's a question of like what's what's beyond there, and I think that um, you know that that still remains to be seen how that's panning out. So new boom. I mean, I think I think. It's, all the signs are good, but we'll see if there's a sort of solid base for it at this point, if it just keeps going on this way. Um, emerging markets. Are you ready for looking at emerging markets? What, what are some of the big, you know, sort of emerging markets, art markets that people have heard of or seen happening a lot? India, China. Yeah. Very good. You've seen the slide, haven't you? <laughs> Russia, yes. Now we're going to get delved down for the Middle East. Korea, Brazil, Turkey, Africa. I think those are the, you know, those are, you know, there's obviously a lot of markets, like Sri Lanka is as well, that, that are different. But I think that when you call it emerging, I think that's very interesting. But what we call emerging can sometimes be a bit insulting to the markets themselves. A lot of those markets, uh, are very strong markets themselves, and, and you know, the Turkish market, very strong, solid market. What, why we call it emerging now is it's more that because those markets are beginning to emerge onto the global art scene and being seen in places other than just in Turkey. There's Turkish sales in London, there's, there's engagement with Turkish art sort of globally. So that's, you know, it's, 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 it's not as if a lot of those markets didn't have their own indigenous art scenes, which are very strong and very, you know, very successful. It's about sort of them sort of coming up the international stage, which sort of makes it into sort of a, a, the, the word emerging comes. Some of the some of the attributes, and I you know I don't I don't know if you can generalize, but I think a lot of them have similar sort of you know why are these why are these markets becoming successful? Why are they sort of being seen in the limelight? Their economies themselves, and as I said, if you harken back to the first slide as well, looking at you know how the economy itself of these places impact on the art market. Their individual economies are growing, like India and like the BRIC countries and the ones who are economically doing very well. In, the, in that scenario, there are a lot of high net worth individuals uh, who are sort of coming on board, a lot of emerging middle classes who are very keen to 
um, show their wealth and sophistication and things like that, which always fuels uh, a very emerging market. Um, a lot of them have art historical legacies, and you know that you know China and India. There's there's that art historical legacy going back centuries. So there is there there is that core there. It's not like it sprang from nothing. Um, global outlooks. And I think the last <coughs> one is very interesting. And I think a lot of it, and a lot of what happens in the emerging market stems on this sort of issue of, of um, some degree the, the the efforts of the governments themselves, and how they're promoting their art scene, and why they're promoting their art scene, and what else they're trying to promote, which the art scene somehow enables them to get hold of. Uh, which, you know, it, it's a win-win situation for the art scene sometimes, but it's not just necessarily about a government wanting to show their art off. Um, there's a lot of times, you know, like the Chinese government wanted to show how liberal and open they were, so promoting the art scene was a very good indication to the world of, uh, of that fact. And, and there's a lot of other issues. There's cultural tourism that, that governments want to promote, um, foreign investment that wants to be created, it's all those factors that lead to the government wanting to promote and um, you know, sort of get behind the art scene. Um, and so that's, that has a lot of those markets, some of them, which I'll, I'm going to go through specifically a few of them. It is very different. Some of them have that government support and have that push behind them that enables them to get there. Some don't, and then there's other ways that that happens, that that market sort of can grow itself. Some of the issues, and I think you know, we don't have time to go into huge specifics, but some of the issues in terms of what happens within these markets, there's huge differences, as I said, between those markets that have government support and those that don't. Um, you know, that we'll, we'll sort of go specifically through, and uh, you know, things like the Middle East, you know, major government support and and infrastructure building and things like that. And the markets that don't have that will sometimes have to find it other ways. It's always a big issue. Infrastructure building is the key. In terms of building a market in, in a new art market that has uh, stability and it has longevity to it, it's got to have museums, it's got to have critics and curators and galleries. And those things don't just, you know, aren't able to just pop up. And they've got to be you know, honed and they've got to be there and they've got to grow sort of organically. And that's a very difficult thing. And that's where whether it's the government who is promoting that or not, or they come other ways. But that's sort of the <coughs> end goal of what a market needs to, in order to sort of set itself up for the future. A lot of what happens you know, when there isn't government uh, institutional uh, support is uh, private patronage. And a lot of the markets, like the Indian market, where there's very little uh, government support, almost none, and no museums and none of those things, the private collectors and the patrons are taking up that slack. And, are setting up their own foundations and um, you know sort of building the infrastructure themselves in some way. So that's you know just because the government is, isn't necessarily supporting doesn't mean it's not happening. It's just happening in, in different ways and will have different effects on the market as well. Phone, sort of bid something for the orgy of uh, <laughs> of the rich. Speculation, especially in the emerging markets, has has, has seemed to be a big problem. Um, um, the Indian market had a massive amount of speculation, uh, and that was very detrimental when things started going bad. Um, and I, I think because of the emerging markets, they're new markets, and they're people who, there isn't that, that sort of core, huge collector group who was there all the time. That there's a, 
there's people that knew, everyone's new to the market to some degree, so there's an idea of people coming in to want to make money. And the money, when, they, when the boom was happening and the money was spiraling, people came in just to sort of make some money off it. And that was more difficult to manage in sort of the emerging markets than it was in the established market <coughs> as the Western markets are. Going back to, remember that pyramid I showed you, where sort of where the validation happened? I think in the, in the emerging market, that pyramid is sort of turned on its side, on, on its on its end, sort of thing. So it's a reverse pyramid. So in terms of where value is created, how do you look at value in, the, in some of the newer emerging markets, because <coughs> they don't have the infrastructure like museums and you know, public spaces and curators and those people who are not part of the commercial world, it's the commercial world who sets those values who in, in, the, in the early stages. So it's the galleries and auction houses who are driving the, the, the emerging markets, and they're the ones who are saying who's good, Who's, who's worth paying a lot of money for. Whereas in the Western markets, it's, it's, it's the infrastructures that have been there for, you know, very established that do that role. Eventually, the goal as the emerging market is to build up that, you know, that end of the, you know, the, the infrastructure market so that that can start taking over again. So it's quite, a, those are the sort of major things, issues that are going on in emerging markets, why they're different from the Western markets. Um, and I think it'd be clearer and oh, this last one was an interesting one. Anyone hear that news? China overtook France last year to become the third largest art market behind the US and the UK. That was a very significant step. And, um, and we, we had a, a seminar on uh, Chinese art market together last year. And all the panelists said, that's just the beginning. You know, we, we, the question was, was uh, do, do you foresee them you know, taking number two or number one in the future? And they went, absolutely. So it's be interesting to watch the sort of rise of the Chinese market and the power within the global market as well. So let's look, let's look individually at some of these markets. Um, I think to some degree, and I think, you know, as you can see, the Chinese market, it's also at, at about the 2000s, just under 2007 level as well. So a similar sort of occurrence. They, they've sort of whipped back quite, quite quickly as well. I think one of the you know, 2007 levels, which is quite good. I think what's interesting, especially about the, the Chinese market, is that 1.4 billion of the 2.2 billion on sales were, were, came from the sort of regional auction houses, the, sort of the, the mainland Chinese auction houses, which means the engagement of more you know, regional mainland people rather than the, only the Hong Kong auction, which we used to see, which were not necessarily mainland Chinese buyers at. But that's a huge step forward, and that's just, as, as we were saying as well, a tip of an iceberg there. So we're going to see, you know, as the, the, uh, the, uh, the mainland Chinese auction houses, which are state-owned, by the way, um, they, they start growing, and they're growing very quickly, and probably more than, you know, the Sotheby's and Christie's in Hong Kong are. Um, start watching that space, and that's going to be very interesting. So that's China in a little tiny nutshell. Um, <laughs> India. Now you can see, as I was saying, you know, in terms of who's been hit hardest. I mean, that, that's a that's a pretty crazy drop uh, in the financial crisis in the market. But you can see, you know, up to September, we're once again probably up up to uh, 2007 level, just about as well, um, and 125 percent increase over last over 2009 and 2010 results. But that's a really you know fast leap back. Um, so it's quite something to see. And I think that's what another lesson we can start seeing. And the, a lot of the emerging markets, they sort of snap back faster than the, the Western markets to some degree from the, from the sort of the bus time. 
and maybe that's to do with their economies also are doing you know, a lot better. Um, in a way, they're stronger, they're healthier in the future outlook for something like China and you know, in the Middle East are very strong. So maybe that's another reason why they're more resilient to come right back to some degree. But these are, you know, as I said, we've only, um, like Middle East market, we've only sort of, there have only been Middle Eastern sales since 2006. It's quite young. And there's a lot of, not a lot to, to analyze. It's hard to sort of get a hold of long-term looking. They're quite new. Um, and as well, the Middle East market, the same, the same sort of effect. Um, the second highest level since uh, since began, this was the peak, and we're, you know, this is sort of the second highest level of, uh, <coughs> of sales volume that's happened since 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 uh, the market began, which is quite amazing. And is that because, as you know, harking back to the initial view of what affects the oil market, is that because of the economy? I'm not going to talk about what's going on now, because that's going to be interesting, how that affects things as well. If the turmoil is going to affect, what was affecting positively was the sort of, Stability and the oil prices were very high, and the economy was great. Um, so that we'll see what effects you know instability in the region um, will start might start having as well. Um, I don't know if anyone knows about anyone heard about these massive building plans that are happening in the Middle East in general, the infrastructure builds, museums, and things. You have, I know it's it's, it's amazing, I mean, and I think that's the thing you have to watch as well. Now in terms of you know looking at which countries have government support. The you know, Middle East region in general has huge you know, government infrastructure support. They're building, uh, this is called Sadiyev Islands in, in, in Abu Dhabi. They're building five major museums all at once. Uh, there's the Guggenheim, the Louvre, um, the, uh, what's the other ones I have down? Uh, they're all, and they're all designed by major architects. So Zaha Hadid's doing one, Frank Gehry, I mean, they, Jean Nouvel. They're bringing, you know, Big guns, big museums. This is a picture of the. This is one Norman Foster designing. Is the what's it called? That's the one. That's the one. And that's 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 being built now. Which one is that? Museum. And are they going to be able to This is the question. That's. A, I'm glad you brought that up. There's always capital campaign projects, but you just need more. Are you going to be able to? Sorry. No, no, no. That, that, well, I was just going to bring that up because that, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit of a feeding frenzy in the Middle East because there is this idea they're building, and, that, and that's just Abu Dhabi. There's also Qatar building museums, uh, Dubai building museums, you know, happening everywhere. And what's going to go in them? And so there's, you know, the galleries and, and you know, dealers are all like, you know, zooming in. Here, we'll fill them for you. So there's a, there's a huge interest in the commercial world in getting to the Middle East, even though. There might not be a lot of sale activity now. It's sort of, uh, you know, s s you know, s setting your place for when it all starts happening. Mm -hmm. A lot of some some of them, like the Louvre and the Guggenheim, they're sort of uh, reciprocal uh, agreements with the uh, Louvre in Paris to have loans and things for a mm -hmm. short term until they can build up. But the idea is they're going to have to fill these museums, and they, and they, mm -hmm. they want to. So I think the British Museum is is, is sort of hooked up as well with uh, with that one. <coughs> so it's interesting to watch the space, mm -hmm. and that's why you know the, in the Middle East as well. There's two major art fairs that have, uh, you know, one just recently came about. One that's been around for Art Dubai and then Abu Dhabi. Um, all the big galleries are going. N I'm not sure that they're selling very much, but no more. Mm -hmm. But I think they're there to get their foot in the door, and uh, and they know where you know these, their, their building's going up. Something's going to have to go. In. But that's you know that's an example of it being led by the government rather than being led sort of organically from from the collector base sort of thing. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the Middle East. Latin America, which is a very, uh, it's a very, I think a bit insulting to you know, get a whole, it's not, it's not even just a continent, it's also Mexico, and it's also, you know, it's all, it's a, Latin America is a very difficult one to get a hold of. Um, a lot of it's focused on Brazilian art, and, and a lot of the, the collectors are Brazilian, I mean, there's a lot of their money in, in that sort of side of things, which is supporting it, but that seems to be really growing as well. Also, the art market, you know, the levels are back to 2007 level, just about. Um, didn't, it didn't really um, bust that much, mostly because it didn't really boom as much as the other ones. You know, it, it didn't go crazy like India did, so it was, it, you know, it was much more stable a uh, market, so it didn't really have much, you know, there wasn't that sort of frenzy to, to go back on. So that's, those are the sort of key ones. The next thing, I think, you know, as, as I was saying, I think what's interesting to see what's been learned from all these boom-bust scenarios. A, what's, yeah? How do you feel about Russia? I, I always get someone asking that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, 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 we just did a report looking at some of the markets. We, have, we didn't focus on Russia. But Russia is, you know, I think in a similar scenario. It's doing better. Um, you know, it's not back at its peak levels. But I can, I can get in touch with you and get specifics on Russia as well. Not to ignore Russia in any way. Um, <laughs> What, what has changed in the past decade? I think that's interesting, you know, to some degree with the boom and busting. It's also, I think there's some indication of, uh, is it going to happen again? I think that's always what one asks when there's a boom bust scenario. Like, are, have things changed sufficiently that that scenario that's been set up to boom and bust is not going to happen again? And I want to go through a, a few things that have really been quite, you know, radical transformations in the art world and the art market that, you know, hopefully will make it not so one is transparency. Um, I think that's uh, really one of the key things one has to look at in the oil market. It's an unregulated market. I'll, I'll just go through the, the headings and go deeper into each of them. Um, it's an unregulated market. It's hard to see and get hold of what's selling for what and who's doing what. And, um, and that can be very destructive for the market, for a new engagement to the market. Um, there's been a really huge market expansion in the art market and engagement with the art market in the past decade um, and for likely that will have a big effect on whether and how the reaction to a boom-bust scenario is going to happen again. I think what I'm trying to say is things have changed um, mm. and we'll see whether they're positive or negative and that's gonna, how it's going to be able to sort of stave off that quarter experience again. The emerging markets um, there's new wealth and there's new collectors, and the collectors are, as we'll see, I'll talk about again, they're not just local collectors, but they're collectors being, they're coming into the international stage that are, that are gonna, they're going to sort of, you know, the contemporary sales in London, um, and they're becoming much more players. So that's another big factor that's changing the market. So, transparency, first and foremost. What can and can't be seen well, we know what can be seen, which is what all these graphs are about, is the auction data. I mean, that's basically the only thing that one can see in this unregulated market of what's going on in the market, what prices are being achieved. So all we see is sort of this, you know, the auction levels, and that's very, as well, deceptive. It's an unregulated market, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. What happens, I think, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think that there are a few people speculated in terms of the, if you look at the auction numbers, the volume sales of what goes on an auction, you probably can double it to then add to it 
what the private sales are, what sort of primary market, what dealers have, are selling to their customers, what's happening, even the auction houses that have private treaty sales that they're, they're managing. So, you know, you, you don't really get a picture of how big, you know, the, the contemporary market is, or as you were saying, it's, you know, you're not going to get dealers telling you what they sold their things for. So it's all hidden. That's all, and that's about a half of the market, hidden, and no one knows about it. All you hear is, <coughs> you ask any gallery how they did during our fair, oh, we did fantastic, we sold that art stand in two minutes, in six minutes, in five minutes. Yeah, it's always that way, but uh, that's great. But you know that that's that very nice. But we, you know, you, don't, you just don't ever really know, and and there's no way of finding out. Yeah, isn't that problem as well? Uh, that on depends. I think you said just with liquidity, you're not comparing like with like. You don't have an efficient market. Exactly. Like one one Warhol is very different from another Warhol. With, with, with yeah. Vodafone, you can say today there were nine million shares. Exactly. And this day last year there were seven million. But you don't even. To what extent are all these prices that they're warped because you just don't know? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. There's a good point because I think that's also saying. So the one thing you can see is auction sales, and even that is it isn't so. This isn't the best sort of way of, of gauging what's going on. Because the 60 million could have been achieved with twice as much stuff or yeah. less good stuff or better yeah. stuff. and also which I hate to disillusion people who don't think this can happen, but a lot of times the, the prices are propped up by their people who are who have an uh, interest in the market. You know, let's say, you know, people don't, you know, a big collector of Warhol doesn't want to see Warhol prices tumble. Mm -hmm. So they might sort of just pay whatever it takes to keep the, the prices up. So, you know, I'm not saying that happens all the time, but, you know, it, it, isn't, it isn't a sort of free economy thing necessarily always. So what you're getting is, all you see is the auction data, and sometimes that auction data isn't a reflection of reality, of what, you know, what the, what the real value of, of things are. So that's why it's, it, transparency is a big issue. Um, and that's why as well I think it keeps a lot of people away from, you know, people who are looking at things in some investment angle, which most people do, I think. It's not just a mercenary thing to do. Um, if you're paying millions of pounds for it, you want to kind of know it's going to be worth millions tomorrow. Um, it takes people away because, they, you know, you just, uh, there's no other market that you just don't have any idea what, you know, what value is what value. Um, but the art market. So it, that transparency issue is a big thing, and I think it's it's stopping a lot of engagement from people who would, you know, probably want to be involved. So how is that? Yeah. Excuse me. Sure. Uh, I'm a collector. Yeah. Um, what I find a bit puzzling in your presentation is that yeah. you're not um, focused enough on the concentration of the market, which I mean, uh, the headline-grabbing figures that you just mentioned. Are really concentrated on a few on, on a few names, maybe yeah. about 100 names uh, of artists, and that uh, does not reflect really what mm. the, the market is mm. and where other artists, uh, emerging artists, <coughs> uh, how that market is really doing. Yeah. And I, I think it would be, it'd be uh, giving us a bit more light uh, if you had some. That's a very good place to say that. So my next slide, <laughs> just a, I'm just placing these people. At <laughs> no, but it's but um, it, you're absolutely right because, and like I said, because it's easiest to chuck those out because those, those are, that's where the available data is. Uh, it's from auction houses, and the auction houses don't deal with emerging markets. Those artists don't go into auction yet, usually. And also, the vested interest in those who mm. are keen to see uh, price popping up. Uh, over millions. Uh, I think some are maybe artificial, maybe some mm. 
uh, uh, due to um, unseen actor in the exactly. market who exactly. have interest to uh, push moneda in. Um, these are factors that, when you talk about transparency, I don't think that if the market was regulated, like the, uh, the stock market, for instance, we would see that much liquidity going. No, I, I agree 100%. But, 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 as, but as I was saying, because it's an unregulated market, so that's why what, what do we the have? The case of the market is more interesting, yeah. especially in uh, uh, young artists or emerging artists. Yeah, and those people can't be seen, they're, they're within the, in the can't be seen region because they don't come to auction. The only thing we can see, the data that we get, is auction results. And those younger artists don't tend to be in auction yet. It's only sort of more established artists that come into auction. So those people are completely hidden, in a way. But what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to hopefully get to, which I'm glad you brought up, is you know, how are we getting around that? Somehow, you know, I think there's a lot of energy being put into the art market in sort of you know, getting around that problem. And a lot of it is sort of the, the new, a lot of the, you know, this is where slightly gratuitous self-serving things come in. But um, we're looking, you know, I think this is what's happening. The transparency has gotten a lot better in the last 10 years. I mean, look at a lot of these companies that are here who, who analyze the art market and try and somehow, have, haven't been around very long. We've been around, you know, art has been around 10 years only. And that's sort of one of the original ones. So that's making a difference. And there are a lot of them, and there are more coming up. What's interesting about it, I mean, if you look at all of them, I don't know how many people have ever seen any of these sites or looked at any data. They're all quite different in how they look at the market as well. And I think that's a very uh, healthy thing. I think that, you know, some, some of them are just basically databases and you can see auction results. But some of them actually like um, Artifact, which is quite interesting. Um, they actually try to uh, mimic how the market validates itself. So they all attach different, say they look at a particular artist, they'll say, oh, they had a show at uh, MoMA in New York. They attach a certain value because that's a high level of value to having a show in New York. So they try to sort of use the, the way the market works to quantify these artists. So we're, we're all trying to do that in some way. And uh, I think that's a really positive thing. This, this, you know, there's no way you're going to get, I mean, I, I mentioned this uh, Art Economics, and they do this survey every year for, at, uh, at TFAF, at Maastricht. Um, and what they do is they monitor the dealers. And that's how they get the 65 billion mark. So they'll, 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 they'll send them surveys and say, how much did you sell this year? It's not the most reliable thing you can imagine <laughs> to do, but it's all we got, you know. And, and uh, we don't know how else to do it. I mean, what's, what's um, you know, what's interesting is, I mean, I'll just excuse me. Again. Yeah. The 65 billion that includes uh, old antiques yeah. as well, yeah. and old masters yeah, and, yeah. and antiques. everything. Yeah, it's not just contemporary art. Don't ask me what contemporary art value is. But but uh, but in terms of. I, I, and I agree with you 100% that there is not transparency, especially people who are under the radar, who aren't established artists, even, and even them in the radar, those are not the most reliable results that you get and the, to, be, to view how it's done. It's a problem. I think the big problem is for the art market, for the growth of the art market and the health of it, for the perception of there of their being, you know, not, it's not something you want to just run away from because you don't know what you're doing. I think the more transparency there is, However, we manage to achieve it. The healthier it is for everyone to, uh, you know, in the end of the day, and to and to engage, engage new people to it. Do you think it's healthy for the artists? That's a good question. I, 
ultimately because it's going to bring new new engagement and new collectors into into the into the fold. I suppose, but I mean, just lo looking at as as an example, uh, I'm not going to go too much into what we do, but just an example of like the way the different ways that transparency is being attributed. Um, our tactic, basically, you know, we we don't we're not a database of of. Um, of, of auction results, we take a lot of the auction rights and analyze it. But what we also do, which is which is something that other people don't do, and that we will do other things well, is that we we monitor the market. We sort of put a mirror to the market. We survey the market quite a lot. So we'll send surveys out to key people, key collectors, gallerists, uh, uh, curators in in a particular market, and ask them their ideas in an anonymous way, who they think are upcoming stars, whose whose career is going to be around in ten years. Who's, who's you know who's doing well? Who's not? Doing, what what else sort of movements are happening in the market? Once again, it's not perfect. People can say whatever they want in the survey, um, but there's an attempt at transparency, and I think that is has you know I think that's coming through the need for the market to have some sort of transparency because, as you said, it's just uh, it, it's not very helpful otherwise to anyone. Uh, and you know what we do at Art Insight as well is, is the same thing on the education side. Is do seminars, and we're trying to educate and, and part of, partly you know build. I think our view is knowledge is will build engagement. Without any knowledge, without the sort of amorphous idea of the art market and how no one knows anything about it, you're you're going to stay away. The more you know, the more you're armed with some knowledge, you'll be more likely to engage in whatever way that is, whether it's a collector or in any sort of way. That wasn't a means of just promoting ourselves. You just mentioned that new markets actually you yeah. involved. Sure, sure, sure. Is the um, uh, emerging of photography very important market certainly in the last ten years? So yeah. Emerging of very, very, very big video uh, as well that did not exist really. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Design, design, art, design, art, you know, that sort of side of things. Very interesting. But do you have in those uh, emerging markets um, more concentration on their own uh, localized art? Or is it international? Or somehow I have the feeling that it's very, you know, uh, your perspective is uh, very British grounded. Mm. Uh, or European grounded, mm. or main countries of Europe grounded, like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. And uh, adding uh, to your question, um, how does uh, um, the fact that uh, this symbolic value is uh, certainly, to a certain extent, it's uh, a construct, is it not? Yeah. Uh, and so is the financial value. How does this reflect uh, the country's uh, promotion of uh, artists like uh, Young Pritarot, for example, we have this promotion and boom, you know, financially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what happens in other countries yeah, yeah. where you may have equally, sure. um, you know, worthy artists, but uh, their countries do not? But that, that's, but I'll come to, I will come to that as well. I'm glad you've seen it coming out. But just, just quickly, I think that, that that's, that's another uh, issue. What's very different in, in the different em emerging markets is the degree to which the, you know, the collector base is focused on the, mark, on the art of that country or if they're interested in buying Renoirs and Picassos. Um, and that's very different. And I think there's both those elements. 
there's engagement in its own art. Different, I think different regions also have different levels of which they're more interested in. I think the, like something like the Indian market is very, very Indian art oriented, mm -hmm. and not much of the rest of the world is. So that, so that sort of helps. Whereas you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's different for other. The Chinese market, the, the originally was built up very much on Western collectors collecting Chinese art. Now you're starting to see Chinese collectors collecting Chinese art. Mm -hmm. It, it's a it all it's a very different stages of development, and I think it depends on the character of the country as well to some degree. It's it's a funny thing. You can't sort of say it was one rule for everything. It, it, it develops in different ways, and I think that they all move. You know, I think that um, you know that the China, you know, as like the Chinese market, that that now it's changing now. So now the Chinese, you know, mainland Chinese buyers are looking at Chinese art, and that's very different from five years ago. So things shift and things move within the country as well, depending on priorities, how outward looking they are, inward looking. Do but you think, yeah. sorry, um, do you think that the regional support of the art market has mm. bolstered the international attitude towards it? Because I think that there are problems in art markets where there are, there is no regional support. Yeah. And then it goes international and then yeah. what happens in the vacuum? Mm. And what happens when there's no governmental support as well? Um, so everything can speed up very quickly, yeah. and then there's a loss. I think it takes another, another actor to intervene, to you know, to be the one to lift it out and, and bring it onto the, the auction houses of big, big time, uh, you know, leading roles in that, in taking you know sort of solid regional markets and and you know somehow launching them into the United States. And there's a way you have to do it as well. You can't just sort of show up. You know, you, you've got to you've got to somehow play into the into the market and how it works. You know, the, it, it could be that the regional market works in a very different way, um, but somehow there's sort of tyranny of having to make it fit into the way that the Western markets work. But that's an issue as well. I think that there's that people are saying that you know, as something like China, the Chinese market gets bigger and more more powerful. Maybe they'll start imposing different um, ways of doing things, which might be very healthy. We, you know, so not everyone will have to fit into the Western market peg in order to international art fairs are the medium to get that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe they're homogenizing it too much. Well, yeah. you know, this we've seen the Cuban artists at the Art Basel in Miami. Yeah. Um, I mean, you do freeze bring some Mexican absolutely guys. I'm, I'm not, I'm they, they are. Hold that thought because I'm coming to that now. There we are. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen this slide for the picture. Um, market expansion, you know, how is market expanding and how fast it is? I mean, if you look at, Freeze Art Fair has only been around since 2003, and last year they had 60,000 to 70,000 visitors. You know, that's, you know, that's people who would never, they, we didn't have it, those people engaged in the contemporary art before that. That's pretty amazing. That's a big number of people who are starting to, who are now engaged in the contemporary art world, whether, in whatever way it is. Um, so I think, you know, the, I mean, let's say global art fairs, <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, you, you said your piece. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of global art fairs, I think you'll see a lot of the, all the emerging markets now have a very substantial art fair, and sort of, whether it's international or not, in different degrees, but there's more and more of them. Don't worry. In terms of markets, biennales, um, also all the new emerging markets have sort of biennales that they are, they're exhibiting. All these things are sort of, you know, expanding the market globally in, in various different ways. 
contemporary galleries, explosion of contemporary dust. You know, 10, 20 years ago in London, there were maybe three contemporary galleries. You know, how many are there now? You know, it's, it's ex exponential growth. And that's just that one reason. That's look, look at across the board. There was this huge growth in that, in global engagement. He started a mass exodus. <laughs> we've, gone, we've gone over the time, haven't we? Okay, we'll go quickly. Just quickly, I mean, looking at the global engagement, and that last point here, I think is very significant. And, that, and that's what I'm saying is, that's where the new emerging markets are becoming more powerful as well. The collector bases are starting, the collectors from those markets, new wealthier markets, are coming into the Western markets becoming major players uh, and, and sort of, you know, buyers at auction. So that's a significant thing. 21 countries that received last auction. And that, I think the auction houses see that as a, ma a really major new inroad in what's going on, engagement. The future, past. Uh, the new boom, as I said, I, you know, I think what we're saying is that, who knows, it's deceptive, there is a way to look at it, but I think things are going well and there's confidence building. Engagement infrastructure, I mean, that's the, the good thing is, but all that engagement infrastructure, those people aren't going to go away now. Those people who have been coming to freeze and go to freeze and get, go to art fairs, they're not going to stop. So that's, that's sort of there, and that's probably very solid, which is a really good thing, no matter whether it's boom or bust. Speculation guarantees, has, guarantees have been stopped by auction houses, they say, um, and, but who, who knows when the competition starts heating up again? Who knows? Um, that, that's, that's sort of the worry, I suppose. And innovations, the future. I think what's really interesting is that uh, this is the internet is providing all kinds of new opportunities and new engagement as well on a global scale. The VIP art fair, anyone heard of that? That mm -hmm. happened in January. Yeah. It's the first online art fair, which replicated how an art fair works. Uh, 120 really top-level galleries, which was the key, uh, engaged. There were some technical glitches, but. Um, it was, it was a really significant thing, and that, that's, I think, what the other significance of that was a transparency issue. That because you can actually go to the, to the site, see what the top galleries are offering, actually see the price ranges, which you can't ever usually see. That was quite a big, a big sort of step, I think, for everybody. I organized that, actually. That was quite interesting. Yeah, it was, it was a New York gallerist who sort of spearheaded it and, and sort of brought two or three key players together and just sort of... I it needs to work itself out well yeah. next time. And online auctions, and that's another key thing. Online is, you know, the, the major auction houses are seeing a, another, a quite a big proportion of their sales coming through on the online route. Um, and then in the newer markets, I think, which where there's less sort of stigma about on, you know, online auction things. Saffron Art in India, very successful, and uh, they have you know, online auctions. So I think that the internet and, you know, is, is sort of bringing up all kinds of new changes as well. And machinations of how the markets can work. And just to finish it off, this is our last slide. This is from last week and the contemporary sales. You know, just showing that this is February 2011. Now, surpassed. Um, where, where are we? There we are. About 12.5% he's sort of over, over last year. And it seems to be doing well. So I think that prognosis is good. As they're saying, you know, caveats here and there. But I think we're heading in the right direction. I think that also there have been changes sufficiently somehow put in place that we're going to stabilize and sort of carry things forward. That was a whistle stop. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you.
Um, we've slightly overrun, but if you'd like to answer some, ask some questions quickly, uh, or... Um, hi, um, I'm going to start a bit of Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's completely non-transparent. That's even that's even less transparent than any yeah, least transparent. The, um, Right. So you think it's going to go in the wrong direction rather than more transparency, no, less truth? I, 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 I think that, well, that, that sort of illegal activity, I think you can, it's nothing you can ever do. I think that there, are, there actually are a lot more um, regulatory agencies and things that are, you know, things like the art loss register. And where you, can, where you, you can actually check and, you know, where, where galleries and auction houses must go through these checks in terms of their due diligence and accept a, a piece of art to make sure that it's not a stole, a registered as stolen or, or lost. So there is, I think, that, 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 that transparency feeds into that as well, as a positive way. Because those databases are set up and countries have to report stolen goods and they're, they're all on a database to be seen internationally, that can be checked. So it's not like you can go into another country and, and sell it, because uh, they could easily go on the internet and find out that it's a stolen good and registered as such. So that, that's another sort of benefit of the internet, in a way. Yeah. Uh, my question is, I, mean, you know, I think the presentation seems to focus more on contemporary. Yeah, art. that's what so we do. I'm wondering about um, <laughs> older art and when the artist is dead. How yeah. does, if you could speak a bit about how the market can change um, and how certain artists who may not be as prominent yeah. rise with certain We do focus on, I mean, a lot of the, the data wasn't just contemporary, it was contemporary and modern, which is sort of, you know, it was also, you know, people, people like Warhol's not around anymore, and you know, Picasso and people like that. We do look at that side as well. It is different because, yeah, because they're, I mean, in a way, it's, uh, they tend to be, if they're an establishment market, they tend to be more valuable because they're, they're not producing any more work, obviously. So what's there is, it's, that's it. I think what, what the issues with, in those situations are is regulating their estate. And there's lots of issues around that. The Warhol estate is very powerful. And there's all been all kinds of lawsuits, people suing them because they've rejected a piece which they claim was, is their piece. And there's all kinds of other interests that get involved in these estates as well. It's another sort of dodgy area, which is very difficult. But the estates are, are more and more being monitored more s strongly. Even uh, Banksy has this thing called pest control <laughs> for, for his sins. That, that actually will, you know, will sort of verify whether it's an authentic bank, Banksy or not sort of thing. So I think that's the key with those. And a lot of galleries are starting to uh, take on these states of artists who are no longer mm -hmm. here and managing them properly, which is a good thing. Yeah. What do you think of the, the art stock market starting in Paris? Oh, wow. The art exchange. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, uh, that's another innovation. Uh, there's a lot of innovations. I didn't talk about art investment. There's a lot of new innovations in that, like sort of starting the stock exchange where the, you, they get a piece of art and people can buy shares in it. Yeah. 
The problem is, I think, with those people, I think it's a very interesting idea, and it might, it might go, because then that's another step of maybe, once it gets on stock market, at least it's regulated. That's a good thing. Um, <coughs> it's kind of like, well, what happens to that piece of art? Is it just being sitting in a warehouse? That's mm -hmm. sort of issues like that. I, I'm not sure they've gone out with the most, um, uh, you know, th they haven't really got their whole plan together yet. Mm -hmm. So it remains to be seen, depends on what kind of art they can get and whether people are interested in it. Uh, there has, there's been skepticism so far, but I think it's an interesting direction, definitely. I think some collectors do it informally. Yeah, so, you know, they, they, they share. And, and there are collectives as well. Yeah, we'll have to see. Oh, yeah. There's two of them. There's a, yeah. I think, uh, the Israeli one as well. Is yeah. coming. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. You mentioned that China was the um, third large art market. Yeah. I just wondered why you still classified it as an emerging art market. Ah, there you go. That's a good question. <laughs> Oh yeah, we should stop take it off our emotion. Stop <laughs> doing that. But I, I think that's. I think, as I said too, I apologize because I think that that's just the way that those markets have been described, and that's maybe historically, we should stop it because. Yeah, well, I mean, those are markets. You know, India, China, Russia—they're not emerging anymore. They're they're markets. You know, they're sort of they're in their, in their own right. So I think calling them emerging, I guess, is non-Western, is the issue, and also. The fact that they're new to the global uh, art scene, art market. Probably have time for just one more sure, question. Sure, sure. Who's going to wave their hop? Hi. Um, when you were giving me the auction house data, you kind of referred to Sunday and Christie's and Phillips. Yeah. And I wanted to ask about the other auction houses out there that provide data, or do those three really just. Uh, they do, but they're, they're, the, they're the leading ones, and they're the ones who tend to. Um, uh, deal with contemporary art and modern and contemporary art, but there are a lot. There's many, I mean, many auction houses who deal with all kinds of things, you know, old masters and decorative art stuff. And uh, but in terms of a certain level of and 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 just focusing on contemporary modern art, it's, it's those three. I mean, bon and even Phillips. I mean, Bonhams as well. But it's not the volume isn't really enough to sort of get get a significant answers from them to some degree. Okay, that's it. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank